The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass, presented by Family Education and Support Services. For those who don't know, I am your host, Bobby Williams. One thing I would like you to do today is subscribe to the show. A lot of people don't know that this is a choice, but it is. All you have to do on Spotify is hit follow, and on Apple, hit subscribe. That way you'll get notified every week when we drop a new episode. From kindergarten on, children spend a huge chunk of time at school. It's where they learn to socialize, they go to class, math, science, art, gym, other classes. But what about when it's not going well? They could be getting in trouble. Maybe they're not learning what they need to learn and they're falling behind. Well, today I have an education expert. I'm speaking with Brett Anderson. Throughout his education career, Brett has been a student, a teacher, a principal, a tutor. He's done a lot. He has educated thousands of children across the world. This man knows what he's talking about. So let's hear what he has to say. So you've taught kids and worked with young people all over the world. What are the common challenges that you see children falling into? One of the biggest challenges is that they get lost. They miss some critical instructions or content and uh, then they don't understand what's coming off and they're sometimes too afraid to ask and say, I don't know what this is or I don't understand. Uh, yeah. Don't want to appear stupid. And then basically they have lost out on that subject forever. Well, it's, it's tough with algebra because if you don't know what you're looking at, it could just be gibberish, you know? Right. Well, it's it, algebra, with math, it's real easy to see, but there are, you know, in science, if you missed out the bit about particle theory, that makes a lot of stuff that comes later hard to understand. With, uh, say, American history, if you missed out the part about the tension between the slaves and the non-slave states when they made the Constitution, you if you didn't understand that, you're going to miss out understanding a lot of the big concepts in history. So, so what, you know, what can it, you do when they're caught in that place where they're missing something critical like what can the child do or what can you as an adult do? You can ask questions uh, of, the, of the student. See if you can pinpoint uh, where they missed understanding. For some kids, it's as simple as they never learned how to deal with exponents. So once you've pinpointed that, then you can teach them how to work with exponents and what goes on from there. The, the big thing is, is trying to figure out where, they, where the disconnect happens. And the kid is the best source of information about that. Mm -hmm. When did you stop understanding? You don't know the subject either, though, because at a certain point, what they're learning kind of might max out what you've already learned. Well, then we have the internet, fortunately. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And uh, I have found that things like YouTube and Khan Academy are great. I don't remember all my algebra. So quite frequently, someone will ask me a question and I say, you know, I don't know. Let's see what Khan, Khan Academy has to say. Or YouTube. YouTube is great for having real short three, four minute clips about very focused subjects. Um, you know, what is a denominator and how does it work? And the, the films are made to be commercial, but they're free. Sometimes uh, you'll find a film that was made by students and those are particularly good. Uh, so if you don't know, you can go to the internet and say, well, let's look at YouTube and see what YouTube has to say. Mm. That's my advice. Yeah, YouTube has everything. They really do. Another thing to do is many school systems have tutors uh, available that are free, that are part of the service. So you can ask to have your child tutored uh, by the school system. If the school system doesn't have that, uh, you, can, you can advertise or uh, check with the school. They sometimes have a list of people who you can hire to tutor. Hmm. Many times a good high school student would, would tutor for a reasonable sum. So uh, if you have an extra adult source or even a, a, an older kid source, that can be really helpful and supportive. Yeah, I think back to my own school career and just having times in school when I just could not stand my teacher or I felt like the teacher didn't like me. What about those times where you're just really your student is just really clashing with the teacher? Is there any, you know, one, two, three, how do we solve this for well, those kind of situations? I doubt there's any recipe. Usually the situation needs to have some understanding on the part of the student and maybe the part of the teacher. Hmm. I, I would start off with the, with the parent asking the kid, what's going on? What's wrong? Tell me what the problem is. And if they say, I hate Mr. So-and-so, then try and say, why? Why you hate him? If you could change one thing, what would you change? And you may need to, the parent needs to talk to the teacher one-on-one. -on -one. Usually teachers are receptive to this because they want to have a good relationship with their kids. And the teacher might not have any idea that the kids doesn't like him. Mm. But uh, after the parent has approached the teacher, and if you still don't think that it's working right, I would say, see the school counselor. And you can request a change, have the child be in a different class. That's all right too. Uh, sometimes you never will understand the reason. You know, kids sometimes just won't talk. Uh, uh, and if that's the case, never mind, just move on. Yeah, it, it seems like as a parent too, having a relationship with that teacher is important regardless if they're getting along or not, right? Oh, absolutely. The teachers work with the kids every day. The, a good teacher will know, you know from the beginning of school what the students' weaknesses are and where they need to work, where they need to focus. So having a good, positive, open relationship with the teacher uh, is very, very important. Teachers are busy, so you don't wanna take up a lot of their time, but they will answer emails or have meetings. Um, and, and if you can be specific and say, you know, my daughter is having a lot of trouble understanding fractions. Uh, can you tell me what I should do or how we can improve? You know, if you can be specific, they can give you uh, very good information about what to do.
Yeah, we've spoke before and you've brought up the idea of routine being really important. Why is it important for students to have a routine when they get home? Because if they get into that routine, then they will continue to work, even though they come up against uh, frustration and roadblocks. If they know that they come home and they go out and play and then at five o'clock they come and sit down and there's a glass of milk and a plate of cookies, on the dining room table along with their schoolwork and they need to spend an hour at the school school doing the schoolwork. Maybe a parent is available for help, maybe not, but they know that, that that's their routine. And if they do that every day, they develop the habit of uh, good, good uh, schoolwork. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is just what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, we've both worked with a lot of youth and foster care, and what I see as a challenge, especially for kids who have experienced trauma, is kind of a low pain tolerance threshold. If something gets difficult, it, it just seems extra monumental. Is there anything that parents can do to help build their child's pain threshold, their willingness to do things when it's difficult? How, how can we make them more resilient? If we could bottle that, we'd make a million dollars. Some of the techniques I've seen used that are, are successful is listen to the child. That, that's so important. And when you listen to the child, you, you'd say questions like, what is it? Why do you find this so hard? Why aren't you excited by this? What, what, what's the problem? Is it, and don't, don't give them any hints and let them say. And you know, it is difficult to talk to kids and you have to listen and draw them out and, and you don't ask loaded questions. Is there anything I can do to help? Yes, you could leave me alone. <laughs> that, that's a common answer. But let's try and be specific. What, what one thing could you do, could, could happen, don't say you, could happen uh, in your social studies class to make you more successful. And they may have a, a surprising answer. Like I, I have trouble reading the textbook. If someone could read me the textbook, oh, there's a solution and, the, and a plan going forward. So the kids are a good source of information. They also like the fact that people are asking them instead of telling them. Uh, everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants dignity. So if you can uh, have that in your conversation, you might be able to find out things that you can change. When I was preparing for this conversation, I was wrestling with the idea of how can you tell the difference between a child who's just struggling in school and an actual learning disability? Because that seems like, where's the line there? Well, that's tough. Uh, it, is, it is tough. It, uh, but usually teachers, especially good teachers who have experience, can figure out uh, that a student is having trouble uh, that's not because they're lazy or uh, disinterested. These start to surface about third grade because that's when you see uh, some kids who don't have learning disabilities just take off and other kids stumble. So uh, it may be that the parents can't see this. So uh, if the kid is having trouble, the parent can say, can we check and see if there is a possibility of a learning disability? The teacher will go through a process. Each school has a, a process where the teacher observes, maybe the counselor observes, uh, and, and they will meet with the parent and decide, well, we think this child should be tested. Uh, and then they can uh, uh, administer a, a number of tests to see if the trouble is 
uh, visual, they're having trouble seeing, maybe they need uh, hearing help, uh, maybe they have something like dyslexia. There's lots and lots of these things that can interfere with learning. Usually the teacher and the counselor are the good first step. Mm -hmm. and, but you know, the other thing is I, I don't discount parent observation. Parents know their children better than anybody. And if parents see their kids struggling, they're gonna be the first ones to pick it up. And, and I think it's perfectly legitimate to say to a teacher, I'm concerned my child has a learning disability. Could we find out? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes kids grow out of learning disabilities and sometimes they don't. Uh, so be prepared for the long haul, be supportive. It's not the kid's fault, you know, this is, this is how they came out of the factory. You know, they, they have these genes. Uh, but the good thing is that nowadays we have so many ways that we can augment learning process so that we can let the kid do what they would do naturally. Sometimes classrooms have a special uh, sound system where the teacher can wear a microphone and that uh, picks up the sound so that a, a child who has hearing trouble can, will be able to hear better. Sometimes we, we use uh, special projectors that use large type. Sometimes children need to wear earmuffs so that they block out outside stimulation. There's lots and lots of things that we can do to help a child who has a, a learning disability. It's, it's not a, a sign that there's anything wrong with them. Some of the, some of the most successful people have had learning disabilities uh, and still done very well. It just means that they learn differently. And we have to find out what we can do to support that. What was school like for you as a child? Uh, let's say I got to know the principal's office really well. And I went to school in the 1950s, and there was a, a lot of things that were, were wrong. Uh, there was no uh, recognizing that somebody might be different. You either were a good student, sat at your desk, and uh, were quiet and did what we're told, or else there was something wrong with you. You were lazy, or you were uh, emotionally disturbed. In those days, there was little acceptance for anybody who was different. And nowadays we're really lucky in that we have a, a much wider understanding that people are different, have different talents and skills, and we just have to find out what we can do to support those. I'm visiting my home city, South Bend, Indiana, and I was looking at this new park they have. It's this amazing park with these like rubbery floor surfaces. So, you know, the kids don't hurt themselves. And it made me think about all the parks I had as a kid and how safety standards have just changed so much. And it, just in, you know, 20 years or so, 25 years, it's like a lot of things change, you know, or you don't think how archaic things are at the time. Hallelujah. And thank goodness. Uh, at the other time, at the other hand, I don't want to be too hard on on the educators in the 1950s and the 1960s. I think they did the best with what they had. There just wasn't the wealth of knowledge about how people learn, about how they interact, about how they grow and develop. Well, one thing a parent never wants to hear is that their child's misbehaving in class or being disruptive. You know, no one wants to get a call home like that. What can you do if that's the case and you're hearing that from teachers? Take a deep breath, uh, get yourself a cup of coffee, sit down and think about what's going on in the child's life over the past week or so. 
then when the child gets home, don't be angry. That's, that's real important. Don't be angry. Ask them what's wrong. Why they got in trouble? What happened? And just listen. Don't go. Don't 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 put guilt on them. What do you think that's going to make the family look bad? Just say what happened. Tell me what your side is, and let them tell you, and see if it's something that you can identify with. You can ask the teacher. You can ask the school counselor. Uh, if you're really disturbed by it, I would say see a see a counselor outside. The school can recommend a counselor or you can find one on your own. You don't have to solve this problem by yourself. Sometimes it's just a matter that kids are kids and they get the devil in them a little bit and they've got to, you know, they've got to act out. But sometimes there are other reasons and those other reasons take a little bit of work. And uh, it again, it's not anybody's fault. These things happen. We just have to fix them when they do. Yeah, I think one difficult thing with school is it can influence your whole self-esteem and the way you see yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing good, that's a big problem. Kids are our future. And we want them to have a positive experience about school, about learning, about life, about getting along with other people. And if that's not happening, we want to find out why and see if we can fix it. That's so important. So, so many people in my age, you know, and I'm in my 70s, talk about having real bad experiences. I'm sure you know what I mean, like in school being bullied or being uh, put down because you were different. And it's affected their whole life. If we can get to that earlier and make it a more positive experience, the world will be a better place, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I know you work with up-and-coming teachers at Western Washington University. Are there any core ideas or philosophies you try to make sure they walk away with? The, the big one is that we're there for the student. You know, the student is our client, our customer. And that if you teach something and the kid didn't learn, it's not his fault or her fault. If the student didn't learn, then the teacher didn't teach. What we need to do is we need to always have our spider sense going to see how the kids are receiving what we're teaching, what we're saying. So the relationship between a student and a teacher is so important. The teacher has to be perceptive and see that uh, a student is lost or bored or unhappy and deal with it. Huge classes make this more difficult, but you still can recognize the students as individuals. Sometimes the ones who are the most needful are the ones that are hardest to find and you focus on them. Mm. Well, Brett, thank you. You know, I've enjoyed working with you over the years. You're always such a great resource for the youth I've worked with. And just thank you for taking the time to be here today. Well, thank you. Thank you, too, for all the good that you've done, people, particularly your bridge program. I thought that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. Always kind, positive energy from Brett. Our community is lucky to have him. Your community, you probably have your own Brett. So ask around, a good tutor can make such a huge difference. This has been the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>